Monday. You know what time it is. It's time for us to sit down and talk about some hoops that happened over the weekend. It is Front Runner Podcast Collective with your host, Vince Carter. Hoop brothers and sisters, rejoice. We are back on the air and we have a lot to get into. But before we get into everything, we're going to talk about um, if you're following the podcast, great. If you're new and you just found us, hit that follow button and uh, go ahead and get those uh, podcasts downloaded as well. Also, this is a community that needs to grow. So follow us on X or as I like to call it, Twitter. And that's on at Frontrunner PC. So Frontrunner PC. And then we have a YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel is great. I like it. Um, we're putting um, even better videos up. The content is constant. And usually what you get with the clips that are on the YouTube channel is they come directly from the pod, no doubt. But what notes do not make it into the pod usually end up on there. Um, or we'll put something funny in there or whatever the case may be. But it's a good way to kind of get yourself indoctrinated into the whole world of FRPC. I highly recommend it. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, follow us on the podcast. And then the last thing that I'm going to say is be a friend, tell a friend, because we need more numbers. So uh, I got to ask. And with that, without further ado, we can get to the rest of the pod now. All right. The first thing that I want to get to is um, the situation that happened over the weekend in Denver, Colorado. Joel Embiid, who we just talked about on this podcast. So, again, if you're new, the Archive Pods is where you want to go. and We're available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. With that being said... We gave this sterling um, proclamation of how great Embiid has been all year. And we're not going to take anything away from that because he is, he's been dominant all year. Now, Philadelphia 76ers are reporting that there was some sort of knee discomfort before the game. He was not on ending, any injury report, any injury list. There wasn't anything of note. Now, Joel Embiid has chronically dealt with knee tendonitis. So I'm putting out all the points here. But I am going to say this. I'm not going to say that Joel Embiid was ducking smoke from Jokic. I won't say that. But... It's been since 2019 since he's played in in Denver. He has no problem playing them in uh, Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, but when it comes to playing in Denver, he has not done it. And now we are in 2024, so uh, I think the next time he will probably get to see him is either 
in a finals or next year. So I don't know what to say about it. Here's the thing. They pumped this up to be rivalry week in the NBA. You have two guys who have won the last three MVPs. And for Joel not to show up, okay, if he's injured, there's really nothing we can say about that. That's why I threw out all the caveats with the the chronic knee in, uh, issues and what have you. I just, it's such a bad look, especially now with TV rights and what have you coming up. They got to get the stars to play, especially the national televised games. Those games have to be monumentally important to the stars. And Adam Silver needs to do a better job of conveying that particular message to, you know, the faces of the league. Kind of need the faces of the league do what they need to do, which is play extremely well and just capture the imagination of the uh, casual basketball fan. Now, the next thing that I want to get to is the pretty much the exact opposite. Also, during the weekend, we had a 145 to 144 double overtime thriller between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. Now, the great thing about this is, is that the stars were stars. Curry carried the Warriors with 46 points in 43 minutes. Um, we saw an aggressive Klay Thompson who wasn't efficient, but hit 9 to 24 shots and they needed every last one of them. Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins showed up. He was 8 of 12. So hopefully that helps his, his trade market as far as that's concerned. Jonathan Kaminga uh, continued his torque pace with 22 points and 9 rebounds. And then Brandon Kozinski again, just filling up the stat sheet. But again, I think we talked about it in the last podcast. This is exactly the Steve Kerr archetypal player. This guy just does everything. He sticks his nose in for rebounds. Um, in this particular game, he had 10 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. Perfect. Perfect from your first-year player out of Santa Clara. So, shouts out to Brandon Pazinski putting it on people and uh, showing up and showing out in a really big game. And it turned into a classic. Now, many of you who have tuned into the podcast over the year, you've heard me rant and rave about LeBron James and the Lakers going into LeBron James business and, and what have you. Um, at this point, my stance on the Lakers can't win when your best player is 39 years of age, it just seems stupid. Here's where I am today. LeBron still needs one more scorer and second side initiator. I still believe that. I think that you can win with LeBron, 
but you have to put the right mix around him. Okay. Um, we're going to get into the D'Angelo Russell of it all in a few minutes as far as that's concerned. But LeBron's games, it, it, translate, it translates so well when D'Lo is playing this way. And what I mean by this is that when you have Austin on the court and you have this D'Lo playing. Now, here's the thing. D'Lo is playing so well, the numbers are are vetting out over like the last, since he came back and was uh, put in the starting lineup. His numbers have been great. But there's still six or seven possessions that you just sit there and you just shake your head. Now, here's the thing. On Saturday night, he did those things and those shots went in. There was a point where I can't remember who shot the ball on on Golden State side, but D'Lo gets the ball. D'Lo goes running down the court. There's 19 seconds on the 24-second clock. LeBron James is like right beside him, and he launches. Now, it goes in, and this is the thing. When it goes in, it's so great because he has that type of ability. We just can't have it as much as he wants it to be. And that's a problem with D'Lo. If he could just fall into the role, this would work out. But right now, you're just kind of hoping that he's upping his trade value. But this is what he's this is what D'Lo is capable of. This is the type of play that we could get out of him. I think somebody said it best. I want to uh quote the person. I believe it was Rajah Bell. Rajah Bell, formerly of the Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz, former uh longtime NBA player. He said this on his podcast, The Real Ones. He thinks of D'Angelo Russell as a tweener. Not more as a positional player, but as far as his status or role on a team. He said that he's he's not quite a two because he's not consistent enough to be a two. But he's overqualified to be a three. And I think that's a really good point. If D'Lo could figure out the right rhythm and mix of going... I'm I'm an overqualified three, but I'm a star in my role and be the best three in the NBA. Then the Lakers have something. And that's why you have seen the Lakers of late be reticent of trading D'Angelo Russell. As I'm going to tell you is that um, what I've heard, and I know it's been reported on several different um, podcasts and, and, and other media markets, is that it seems like the DeJounte Murray trade for right now is off the board. And I will specify right now. And what I mean by that is that, yes, clearly Atlanta is asking for something that the Lakers do not want to give up. And the Lakers are saying, well, D'Lo's scoring damn near 30 a game right now. 
why would we want to give up this and this and this? Hypothetically, whatever those pieces are. Johan Buha of The Athletic reported that it was D'Angelo Russell, Jalen uh, Hood Shafino, and the 20, 2029 first-round pick. Now, if you're getting this D'Lo, granted, I understand that Atlanta might not want have an appetite to go ahead and take D'Lo back themselves and want to kind of pedal him off on somebody else. But if you're getting this D'Lo and he's scoring like this, I can understand why the Lakers would be pretty reticent on trading D'Lo and then giving up extra assets on top of it. Because I also heard some rumor where they were trying to expand the trade a little bit and then the Lakers end up with another wing as well. And there was a couple second round draft picks and I'm going, hold on, wait. What is Atlanta giving up in this deal? Because so far, I mean, yeah, you're giving up DeJounte Murray, but he's a distressed asset too. Because we saw over the weekend, and we'll get to it, but as far as his defensive prowess, that didn't look good over the weekend. So before we are sitting here just downgrading D'Angelo Russell on what he is, let's not look too far to the south. And see that DeJounte Murray and his trade value might not be as robust as Atlanta might think it is. Okay, more on this game a little bit because I want to get to some of the numbers. We talked about Golden State and their numbers. We're going to talk about the Lakers numbers because they were crazy. It was just a ridiculous performance. First of all, LeBron James at 39 years of age. And yes, you also have to say, you have to say the whole thing. You have to say LeBron James at 39 years of age. And the reason why everybody says it is because this is something that we've never seen before. Every time that man steps on the court and he puts up the numbers that he did Saturday night, which were 36 points, 20 rebounds, 12 assists. Oh, by the way, very efficient 14 of 25 shooting. Right. And he did this in 48 minutes. Yes, we always caveat it. We always bookmark it with he is 39 years of age. Because at this point of his career, he should not be doing these things. He should not be carrying the Lakers. The guy underneath him should be carrying the Lakers. Which AD also had a great game. He scored 29 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, and 4 blocks. AD did his thing. Vando was a absolute terror in this game. His uh, plus minus was plus 30. Vando had 14 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals. Nandilo scored 28. Even though it was less efficient as he's been in the prior games, they needed all of his points in this game. Um... That's the thing that Reeves needs to understand in his role. If he's going to be considered like a real starter that is going to have um, that staying power, staying power as far as the starting rotation is concerned, 
I understand. I love the connectivity that he provides. I understand the savvy, the smarts. understand all those things that he adds to the Lakers. It's very additive. But the last thing that he needs to kind of get is a little bit of D'Angelo Russell. He needs to have like an ethic kind of attitude when your team is in a complete shootout. I understand that he wants to take the right shot, the perfect shot, things of that nature. He doesn't like to be rushed. He doesn't like that it's a, you know, maybe it's not a A-plus shot. It's um, A-minus or B-plus shot. Sometimes, if you're that good and the team believes in you, you have to take that shot. I think that's a final little piece that he needs to learn to be at the peak of his powers at the level he's at right now. So with all that being said, Laker, hey, Lake Show fam, hit me up on X at Frontrunner PC. Let me know what your thoughts on keeping D'Angelo Russell, the DeJounte Murray trade rumors have seemed to kind of faded into the background. Are we in play for Bruce Brown? Is it somebody else that we're looking at? We're never going to pay the ridiculous price of what Brooklyn wants for Dorian Finney-Smith. Two first-round picks. Get out of here. Get out of town with that. But hit me up on uh, X and let me know what you think of what the Lakers need in the upcoming trade deadline. All right, let's get to this. Um, <laughs> we had some explosions, and uh, we are going to talk a little bit more about DeJounte Murray because also on Saturday night, Luka Doncic scored 73 points against the Hawks. 73 points. Now, here's the best part. Luka has scored 65 and three quarters, and then the Hawks decided hey, we don't want to end up, you know, like Toronto and Jalen uh, Rose. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't want to be 81 or 80 plus. And they start putting like two and a half, three guys on them. And Luca was dead tired. So, you know, he let some other dudes eat. I think the other impressive thing about Luca is he almost had a triple-double that night. And here's the best part about it. Some of the shots that his teammates missed were absolute bunnies. So he could have had a 73-point triple-double. So let that rattle around in your dome space real quick, you know? A 73-point triple-double is bonkers. This is, this is video game numbers at its best at this point. The other thing that we kind of need to talk about is what's up with these 60 plus uh point games and 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 these uh and these dudes taking L's. Like you okay, my man? You taking L's. So Carl Anthony Towns, we talked about on the last pod, scored 64 points and Charlotte ended up winning that game. Devin Booker went out and scored 62 points and saw his 62-point effort come up short in a loss as well. Um, 
they lost to the Indiana Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton. Okay, um, I know TJ McConnell is a real scrappy player and all that, and I understand that Andrew Nimhard has really, really played well uh, in his role. There is no way on God's green earth that if Devin Booker scores 62 points in a game that you are supposed to lose to the Indiana Pacers. No disrespect to the Pacers. This has nothing to do with you. I'm just talking about the performance that Devin Booker put on display should have constituted a win. So here's the other thing with Devin. So he's been on two of these situations now. Because remember back, he was in a game where he scored 70 and he also lost. So when he erupts for these big games, it has not been fruitful as far as wins are concerned. So we might need to keep my man in like the 55 range instead of like the 62-70 range. Great thing about what we do know is that Tyrese Halliburton of the Indiana Pacers should be back on Tuesday. That is what all the reports of that's coming out of Indiana at this present time. So we're going to get the reuniting of Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam. They were on the court for a short period of time. I am really looking forward to seeing those two guys build their chemistry and to see what it's going to look like towards the end of the year. Oh, man, let's talk about the Knicks a little bit. So for my New York people out there, man, I know that I haven't shown you a lot of love, but we did hit your trade real hard. Go back and listen to the archive pods because we did a complete breakdown of OG Ananobi. And we even gave love to Precious Achua, which has turned out to be exactly what we thought it was going to be. So check that pod out. All right, the Knicks are on absolute fire right now. So I understand that it is orange and blue skies in the in, in Gotham. I understand that. I hear it. I can hear you Knicks fans out there with your Tims on. I hear you. All right. There was a problem, though. Uh, you know, they did take a hit late in that Miami Heat game. Julius Randle goes down with a separated right shoulder. Um, it looks like he is going to be out for about three to four weeks, but we'll see. Okay. It's a separated shoulder. There must be a stretch labrum in there somewhere. So just, uh, keep, uh, Julius in your prayers and the Knicks will miss their sledgehammer and Randall, who is averaging 24 points a game, 9.2 rebounds a game and five assists a game. Now, the question that I have is this. Is this the opportunity that Ananobi, I'm sorry, Ananobi lacked in Toronto? Because remember, there was a point where Ananobi was talking about his free agency. And this is before he got traded to the New York Knicks. So Knicks fans out there, don't don't trip. I, I believe he's going to be a Nick for a long time, but. He was talking about being able to display more of his offensive bag 
like on the dribble, things of that nature. Well, with Julius Randle being out for at least three weeks, if not more, this would be a perfect time for him to wow us with this prolific offensive bag that he has, supposedly. Or we can just continue to pick and roll with Jalen Brunson and the shooters and uh, Isaiah Hartstein. I think I'll go with that more than I will go with OG Ananobi creating offense for himself. Not saying you could do it. You could do it in spurts, but you're not going to say, oh, he's not Julius Randle. Let's just put it that way. Right? Great defender. Love him. The energy level that he is given the Knicks, the defense accountability that he's given the Knicks has been all impressive. Like I said, they had won six straight. Even after the Randall loss, you know, they won. But OG Ananobi is, is in a real, real good spot. And I'm really excited about the Knicks too. Now, Knicks fans, let me ask you this. With your guy being gone, with Randall being gone right now, is this a time to make a marginal trade? Or is this a time to make a big trade for a big name guy? Here's the things. The the, the type of guys that I'm talking about, like a depth piece, a solid contributor, like a Malcolm Brogdon type. You know, another ball handler to kind of help out your guy, Jalen Brunson. Something that you lost in the quickly trade. Or an even bigger swing. Now, here's the other question. If it's a bigger swing, who exactly is that guy? Number one. Because right now the NBA trade landscape is barren when it comes when you're talking about like top 20 type of players. Um, now, I say that to say this. Is it really? Because I understand the rhetoric that's coming out of Cleveland, that the Cavaliers organization that. Donovan Mitchell is not on the trade block, and I definitely understand with the way he's playing right now, that would probably be very, very problematic for them to trade him, and we'll get into them in a second, but Nick Chance hit me up on X. You're 29-17, and 17, you're fourth in the East. Do you think it's a depth move and you just try to wait? into the offseason to see what kind of smoke clears and see who is the uh, disgruntled superstar of the, you know, quarter is, because that's usually what happens, right? Every every three to five months, we get a, we get a superstar who is very upset with their current situation. Let me know what you guys think. I will be interested to hear from my Nick fans out there to let me know what he, what they think the Knicks need going down the stretch. Now it's time for what I call collective observations. This is a new kind of little feature that we're having. It's kind of what I saw over the weekend. Some of it's going to be funny. Some of it should be 
it should be informative, but it's some of the takes that some of the thoughts that I had over the weekend. My first question is, is less more? And I'm looking at two teams. I'm looking at Cleveland and I'm looking at New Orleans. So bear with me. With the Cavs, we have real empirical empirical evidence that less is more. I mean, you cannot really look at this team right now with what they have going on with Donovan Mitchell playing absolutely great at the point guard position. And then they've just installed shooters all around him. Um, we talked about it on, I think, a couple pods ago. Sam Merrill has come out of nowhere. This dude is jacking up nine threes a game, hitting them at a really impressive clip. Max Struess has been excellent coming over from the Miami Heat. And uh, George Niang has also played well. And um, so they really found something taking with the unfortunate injuries of Darius Garland and also Evan Mobley. Now, I'm not going to say, hey, they're better off without them. I just wonder if the mix right now as currently constituted is good. Do you just kind of expound on those type of players? Maybe this is the archetype that you need, irregardless to whether you're going to trade Donovan Mitchell and keep Darius Garland. There might be a fundamental change coming in the sense of, do you keep Jared Allen and see what you can get for Evan Mobley? But this is all hypothetical. I'm just throwing it out there from what I'm seeing. It. I'm just looking at an offense that's clicking on all cylinders, and it looks like it's being run expertly through Donovan Mitchell. And I think you kind of taken some of the offensive clunkiness out of it because Darius Garland is better when he has a ball in his hand. Donovan Mitchell is also better when he has the ball in his hands. And that brings me to the New Orleans Pelicans. And um, they're kind of in the same boat, so to speak. And um, they're right now they're 26 and 20. They're six in the West. They have everything as far as the pieces, it, it seems. They seem to have everything you would think they would need. Um, but there's something missing. They have fun, they have size. They have size throughout the roster. They have shooting. Trey Murphy the third, Jordan Hawkins. You know, uh Brandon Ingram is a is a mid-range assassin. Um Zion always shoots for a high percentage because it's always at the rim. So they have enough guys that can put it in the in the basket. Um they even have a lot of depth. Dyson Daniels can give you minutes. We know about Jose Alvarado. Um, Jordan Hawkins we talked about. You know, they have a lot of pieces that they can use. But the thing that I think that the Pelicans absolutely need is they kind of need to thin out their roster because they have a, a lot of 
redundant parts. And I also think they need a playmaking maestro. And what I mean by that is, like, the Pelicans need a Halliburton type. Okay? He doesn't have to be the number one option. I mean, you know, Brandon Ingram and Zion can still fight over that. But somebody who can just run the offense efficiently and when you are in a rut, he can just run a play that the, the coach calls in and you can get a bucket out of it. Um, my submission for this type of guy and it might change some things in in New Orleans, but my submission for this is Anthony Simons of the Portland Trailblazers. And the reason for this is that um, albeit that Portland is in a rebuild situation, and I know that Simons is still fairly young. I think he's like 23. I don't even think he's 24 yet. Um, I think that a guy like that on the Pelicans, not only you, here's another shooter, you know, he shoots at a, at a high percentage of threes. He shoots a volume amount of threes. But I think his ball handling has been underrated. And I think he kind of needs his own team. And you guys, the Pelicans, to me, are in a position at this point. You're in win now. You know, Zion is on his second contract. Brandon Ingram is like, you know, he's in that like late, you know, mid to late 20s type of situation. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to go get it. And you got a lot of picks still, but those picks are starting to run out from the Lakers. The AD trade, it's either this year or next year. You you have to make a choice which one you want. You know, the way the Lakers are playing right now, it looks like it's going to be this year. But the Lakers make a trade. We have no idea what they're going to look like. So you better make that decision, Coast Haste. You got picks from Houston. So you got to steal a treasure trove of picks. I think Anthony Simons. And look, CJ McCollum has been a warrior. He's been out of position. He he has needed to play with a bigger point guard his his entire career, and I would hate to be the one to say, okay, you got to go. But you know the contracts are the ones that are the situations that are going to match up. Now, Portland wouldn't probably have an appetite for someone like CJ, so you would have to jettison him off to somewhere else. He wouldn't make a lot of sense in Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn could use a guard who could shoot it. And, you know, CJ is not a bad point guard. He's just not elite. But he can make the the general passes. You know, he's just not going to... He's not going to be able to see the floor the way like a Ricky Rubio would see the floor or like Scotty Barnes sees the floor. First of all, those guys are a lot bigger. And they are... They've been handling the ball. CJ has been in a secondary facilitator role pretty much ever since he got into the league because he played alongside Damian Lillard 
And then when he wasn't playing alongside Damian Lillard, he got to play with Zion and Brandon Ingram. So, now if they did get Simons, you could have a lineup of Simons, Hawkins, Ingram, Zion, Valanciunas. You would still have Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, and Nance and Alvarado come off the bench. So, literally, you still have nine guys. You know, with CJ and a couple, you, you know, you, maybe you have to give up with Dyson Daniels in this deal, you know, and, and and whatever else. But I'm keeping you with shooting New Orleans. I'm keeping you with your your two main stars in Ingram and Zion. You also still have really good bench help with Herb Jones, Trey Murphy III, and Larry Nance Jr. And also, I kept the people's choice. Grand Theft Alvarado in this uh, particular situation. So, Pelican fans, let me know what you think of that. You know, those are kind of my thoughts on them. Um, The other thing that I want to talk about, the Pistons. The Pistons beat the number one team in the West, the OKC Thunder, over the weekend, 120-104. to Um, This is very unexpected. by the Pistons. The Thunders looked tired, uh, but they still had their full complement of players, which made it even more shocking that the Pistons won. Um, now, here's the thing. They also won this game without K. Ivy filled it up. He filled up the stat sheet with 19 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. But my guy, this is who I want to talk about, Jalen Durant. Who on this podcast, we were imploring the Detroit Pistons to kind of thin out their big situation. And boy, did Doran deliver on Saturday. 22 points, 21 rebounds, and 6 dimes. Unleash our guy, Jalen Doran. We can go ahead and we can stop this silliness with James Wiseman. We got Marvin Bagley out the door. Can we put some stuff around our guy, Jalen Doran? Because this guy is crazy, crazy athletic. And also, we saw some stuff in Summer League. I was talking to Nico about this, and he was on the pod when it happened. Jalen Doran was doing some, like, his dribble package. He was doing some hezzy tween-tween type stuff out in Summer League. Which led me to believe that there's more to the game. And I am hoping to see now um, that Monty Williams has decided that we can see some more some more of Jalen Doran. I'm just excited that this is a, a kind of an innovation that Monty has come up with. Sacramento Kings uh, forward Harrison Barnes in the last three games has turned back the clock. He's averaging 30.3 points a game. He is shooting over that time. Thirty, uh, It's 34 out of 55. That is nuts shooting. I mean, I don't know what happened, but... Harrison Barnes decided, he just woke up one day and said, oh yeah, 
I used to play in Golden State. I know how to shoot. And I'm going to light it up. So over the past three games, Sacramento has has really seen like some sort of 26-year-old version of Harrison Barnes, which has been crazy to watch. So uh, shouts out to Sacramento. Shouts out to our Light the Bean fam out there that's getting it done in California's uh, state capital. couple other things, and then we can get up out of here. Doc Rivers makes his debut today. So by the time this pot is up, he will be on the court with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, we talked about it, but basically he was a consultant to the owner and their executive staff as Adrian Griffin was the head coach. And there was so much internal strife in that organization that seemed to be more of we just want somebody who has some veteran, you know, coaching experience and Adrian Griffin just absolutely rejecting the idea. So there were just at odds the whole time. And it looks like this was kind of like the necessary ending to this tumultuous start of the year which is crazy because Milwaukee is still having a great, you know, great season. So Doc Rivers will be making his debut on the sidelines as this pod is coming out. The last thing that I want to get to is this, is it's a little plea, I guess. Can somebody tell me why Austin Rivers is not in the NBA right now. I, I mean, I'm I'm ask, I'm really asking the question because I don't understand it. Austin is 31 years of age. He has good size for uh, position versatility. He's six four. He's a pretty good shooter. Like, I think uh, career-wise, it's like 35 36%, so league average, right? And he does it on, on decent volume. So if he's given the opportunity to shoot it like five, six times a game, he can shoot that thing. He can play a plethora of roles. And what I mean by this is that he can be sage vet off the bench, you know, being another set of eyes for the young guys when they come back to the bench. He could be a good rotation piece for a competitive team, like an eighth man, provide some backup point minutes, provide a little juice off the bench. Shoot, Austin can start if you needed him to. You know, I mean, he, he can still shoot it. He still has uh, supreme confidence in himself. I just don't know because I, I listen to the pod. He does. He is a pod on the Ringer podcast network that is all is called Off Guard. And the way he talks about basketball, the way he talks about, um, you know, people in the game. And there's definitely a introspective look as well. I just don't know how somebody this well grounded who has this amount of game left. Can't be on an NBA roster 
right now. You can't tell me there are 450 players better than Austin Rivers at this point. And I understand there are certain situations that make this impossible. I understand that like a Charlotte or whatever couldn't do something like Austin because he might help them win. You know, I understand what, what that is. But a team like Milwaukee, who's looking for offensive juice and looking for some perimeter defense, you don't think Austin Rivers couldn't help them? Philadelphia. Um, Melton has been hurt. Another guy behind Maxi to kind of help him, show him the way a little bit. Remember, Austin was a was a high pick. You know, he was a lottery pick. So if anybody can help out Tyrese Maxey and is been humbled enough by the NBA uh you know Goliath that that is this league, I think that he would be a, a nice addition there. The Denver Nuggets, now this will be kind of going home for him. Cause he got he was there like right before they won the championship when uh Jamal Murray was uh hurt. So a guy a guy like Jamal a guy like Jamal Murray, and then I know that you got Reggie Jackson, but if you could shore up that guard situation and you know, Austin as an eighth guy on that team, that you could say, okay. We can give him five to seven shots, and we feel good in those possessions that that Austin is, is going to do his job. I think that is something that he could do. Uh, Minnesota, another team that he played for, they could use some help right now, especially with uh, Conley. You know, Conley's up there in age. They don't really have a, a, a bench guy that's kind of taken over that role. Uh, Shake Milton really hasn't worked out in that role. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a different type of guy. He's more of a slasher, two-guard, more of a guy. But Austin would fit there, and that's somewhere where he's familiar with again. And then the last one. Now, this is only contingent if, if Golden State makes any trades, but Golden State... Um, a cerebral basketball player, another shooter, somebody who can take a little more stress off of uh, Clay Thompson, give you some uh, defensive versatility, a little more size in the backcourt. This makes perfect sense for the Golden State Warriors as well. So those are the type of things I was thinking about with the uh, with Austin Rivers. So. There's one other thing that we need to get to today, and um, I want to kind of praise a uh, franchise a little bit here. And um, also, I want to kind of also give a little uh, spotlight to the last pod we did, because on the back end of that pod, I had a really good conversation with uh, Evan Townsend, who's been covering the Spurs for like four years. And uh, that conversation was great. He gave us some real good, good insight to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, what What's going on with uh, Wim Wayama, the uh, training staff that he had over in France that has been kind of melded into the uh, San Antonio Spurs uh, uh, construct there. 
you know, so he gave us some real good insight. And those are kind of things that I want to continue to do more and more. So if you are a attentive fan and you watch your team religiously, hit me up on X. Let's chop it up. Let's see if we can get you on the pod and chop it up about your team. So keep that locked. Now, we're going to talk about the uh, Portland Trailblazers, but we're going to talk about their their veterans. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because I want to give them their flowers because we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit a little with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, right now, a lot of people are speculating on Malcolm Brogdon being traded. It's no secret that he is out there. He would like to be traded. He likes his role that he has played on the team, but he also would like a chance to win. So um, we are pretty confident in saying that there's a good chance that Malcolm Brogdon will not be a Portland Trailblazer by the end of the year. I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying something like that. The other one is big wing Jeremy Grant. Now, he was signed in the offseason. There was that kind of in-between where they didn't know if Dane was staying, going. They signed him to a $35 million annual, average annual contract, which little, little rich for my blood. But uh, Jeremy Grant still has value around the league. Now, depending on what they're going to want back for him, you know, I think his, his salary will diminish picks coming back a little bit. You know, you might get one good one, but you're not going to get like the four or five type of situation. Or maybe you can just get a young player that needs to develop. You know, if Indiana's looking to go all, all, all in, like really all in, Jeremy Grant to Indiana for, what is it, uh, what's, what's my guy's name, the fifth overall pick, Walker? Out of Houston. Maybe a little Ben Matherin. And whatever. Whatever uh, piece that's going to fit. The Jeremy Grant salary. That might be something to look at. But. I digress to this. Is that. Here's the deal. I just want to go over this. With you guys. And what has gone on. With this team. Since. Right before the start of the season. Remember, in the Damian Lillard trade, they got back Drew Holiday. They got a 20, 20, they got a 28 first, a 29 first, and a and a 2031. Then Portland expands that trade to include Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson for DeAndre Ayton. Tumani Kamara, a 28 and 29 first round pick and a pick and first round picks and a pick swap in 30. Those might be seconds, actually. Now, keep in mind, Drew Holiday gets traded 
to the Boston Celtics after that for Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, who's hurt, a 2024 first-rounder, and a 2029 first-rounder. So all in all, they got one, two, three, four, five. They got eight picks back so far. By the way, they still got stuff. Malcolm Brogdon is going to get traded, and it's pretty sure that he's going to get a first-round pick or like six seconds or some crazy amount like that. But Malcolm Brogdon could be traded. And if they do feel frisky and want to trade Jeremy Grant, you know, they can either take back young players, especially like like I said with that Indiana team, you know, if, uh, you know, Detroit decided that they wanted to get, like, exponentially better and they just needed a, a, a floor, a floor riser and Jeremy Grant, who they can consistently count on for 20-plus points. Who knows, right? But I just wanted to shout out Cronin and uh, Mike Schmitz up there and Pooh Detter up there for what they are doing. Because here's the other thing. If Robert Williams comes back next year healthy, now I understand that he has had a checkered injury, you know, injury mark career. Definitely understand that. But somebody will be desperate next year if this guy is fully healthy because he is a tremendous defensive player. And he can always add value to a team. So, they're not even done getting acquiring more picks through this whole situation. And keep in mind, I also talked about the Anthony Simons thing with New Orleans earlier. So they are primed to be kind of OKC Northwest, so to speak, if they play their cards right. So again, I, I wanted to just go ahead and give uh, the... Uh, the Trailblazers organization, their front office, just some incredible um, deals that they made so far down. They got to make the picks. You you know, you got to make sure that you get the value that you need out of this situation or turn those picks into a player that fits your young core, which is Shaden Sharp and um, uh, Scoo Henderson, Anthony Simons. Uh, Chris Murray also is in that situation as well. So, you know, I mean, it's there's different ways they can go. There's different ways they can handle it. But they're off to a really, really good start. And they still have more things that they can go ahead and trade at any point in time. And as we get closer and closer to the, dread, the trade deadline, you know where to keep it locked, right? Front Runner Podcast Collective. It's the only place to be to go ahead and get not only the news of the day, but what we're going to try to do is paint a picture for you that is easily to consume, but also hopefully gives you some information that maybe not necessarily you're not you're getting from every, anywhere else. Because we're going to try to see it from a panoramic, a panoramic view, you know, give you a front office kind of spin on it, player you know, evaluations and things of that nature. And I am very excited about this trade deadline. 
because even though the DeJounte Murray rumors have cooled off when it comes to the Lakers, I still see DeJounte Murray moving. So where does he go? Does that Laker trade get revisited? Is that third or fourteen identified to make this even bigger trade? Who knows? But you know where to keep it when you want it like this. February 8th is that day when the trade deadline is coming. But up until then, Front Runner Podcast Collective is where you want to be. All right, so that's going to do it for the pod today. You guys have been great. Again, tell a, be a friend, tell a friend. Um, the way we grow this podcast, the way we grow this community is through your efforts. So uh, I am employing my uh, my day ones out there to get the word out to the folks that we are putting together a quality podcast, not once a week, but twice a week. All right. You know, you're going to get one towards the end of the week. So keep it locked here. And also, if for some reason there's a trade that is, uh, you know, decent size enough, we'll come on here and we'll give you an emergency pod manifesto to you guys. And uh, that's pretty much it for today. You guys be easy, stay safe, and we'll see you down the road soon. Peace.